0: He is, he, is he is risen. He is risen. Something to get excited about today and I hope that you just know that peace and that resurrection power this morning. It is my privilege as pastor of North Olmsted Friends to uh, to to share the gospel with you and I hope that you've come ready and eager to hear and listen and also respond to this message. And so we're, we're opening this morning in John chapter 20. And I want to invite you, if you have your Bible, to turn there. The words will also be on the screen, and uh, you can follow along there. But uh, it is a privilege to declare this good news to you today. In fact, uh, uh, I'm going to invite you to stand one more time as we receive this word together. In fact, will you pray this prayer with me? Lord, this is your word to me today. May it be a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Help me to hide this word in my heart that I might not sin against you. May I pray it in, read it through, live it out, and pass it on. Amen. Amen. Okay, beginning here with verse 1. Hear God's word for us today. had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. And Jesus said to her, Mary. May God add his blessing to his word. You can be seated. Ron Howard directed a movie last year called 13 Lives. I don't know if you saw it, but it rather is a tremendous story. It's a true story where he recounted in 2018, a soccer team in Thailand and their coach explored a cave system. But as they were exploring the system... It suddenly began to to rain heavily, and so the water in the cave began to fill up, so much so that the young men and their coach were trapped. Now, there's a whole lot to this story, but rescuers then, over several days, found that they were in fact alive four kilometers deep within the cave system. And so after a six-hour harrowing and dangerous dive, these rescuers were able to get to them but realized they have very little oxygen, they have very little food, and no light whatsoever. In fact, one of the rescuers died in attempting to to get to the team. And so all of these things were, how do we save these young men? How do we save this team? Uh, Well, there were divers that could get to them, but these young men didn't have diving experience. They didn't have any idea how to to expertly navigate the dangerous terrain. What would you do? Well, interestingly enough, someone came up with a rather innovative solution. They decided to sedate the boys, to put them to sleep wrap them in a bag, attach oxygen to their faces, and then bring them out. And so one by one, they were literally dragged through the darkness for six hours asleep, and every one of them was saved. Now, it was a modern miracle of community and love and determination. Later, I found it very interesting it was learned that the coach and three of the boys were stateless in other words they were illegally in thailand however the government granted them a reprieve and gave them official citizenship now i want you to imagine as a parent if you discovered that your son was alive and he had been saved and he was uh he was okay can you imagine any better news than hearing that. This morning, I want to report to you, I have great news too. The truth is, it looks dark in our world. Our time is indeed slipping away. But someone has come out of the darkness to show us that if we trust him, there is a way out of the darkness into a marvelous world of light. Jesus Christ said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Follow me, and I will give you citizenship in my kingdom. Now, in John chapter 20, I want you to note that we see three different reactions of people who first saw the Lord after his resurrection, And I'd like us together to think about not only their reactions, but what is our reaction to this news today that Jesus is alive. Well, Mary Magdalene, it turns out, John reports, is the first person to encounter the risen Jesus. Now, I want you to just notice her emotions during that day. She gets up early in the morning before dawn braves the dark streets of Jerusalem in desperate grief to make her way to the cemetery Mark tells us that Jesus had cast out seven demons in Mary some people think that she was a prostitute but the Bible never tells us that but we do know this she owes Jesus everything he had made her whole He had given her forgiveness and self-worth, and she loved him intensely. The crucifixion had crushed her. And so that morning, she carried spices to to care for his body as one last act of devotion to a man that she cherished. Now, I think about this story, and I notice that she probably wasn't thinking too clearly. Grief does that because after all, there were guards at the tomb and there was a huge stone there. There was no chance that she was actually going to be able to minister to the body. But to her shock, when she arrives, the stone, in fact, has been rolled away. There are no guards to be found. She looks into the tomb and it's empty. What would you do? Well, Mary turns around and she heads back to the city to inform Peter and John in frustration and anger. She says, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they've put him. And together, they run to the tomb to investigate. Peter and John see the tomb is empty. Well, they head back to Jerusalem, bewildered. But Mary decides to linger. She peers again into the tomb, and this time she sees two men there, casually sitting in white, and they ask her, Mary, why are you crying? And she begins to sob even more. They have stolen Jesus' body, and I don't know what they've done with it. Why would they humiliate him even more than this? So verse 14 says, suddenly she turned around and saw that Jesus was standing there. But she doesn't realize it was Jesus. Now, if you read this passage correctly, I think, you really get the sense of the playfulness of Jesus here, don't you? Mary thinks he's the gardener. Maybe maybe she's blinded by the morning dawn. Maybe her eyes are so weepy that she's just not seeing clearly. Maybe Jesus has just uh, somehow concealed his identity. But I love the fact that she thinks he's the gardener. Because she's not wrong. I want you to know this morning, it turns out Jesus really is a gardener. In fact, one way to think about the Bible is as a story of three trees. In the beginning, there was a tree of life in the Garden of Eden, wasn't there? The garden was full of trees, and they were good for food and pleasing to the eye. There's no curse yet. And then Adam and Eve are given responsibility, and they're told to tend the garden. And you remember, God would come in the cool of the day and he would have fellowship with them and they would tend the garden together. He created the garden just for them. In fact, the the very first sin was disobedience with one of God's trees. And so the curse came. Then you have in the last chapter of the Bible, Revelation 22, the The tree of life, we see it all over again. We learn, in fact, that all of history is getting us back to the garden. That's what history is about. And so it it, it describes this tree here with a a cluster of fruit. We're told that the tree will produce a crop every month. In other words, the picture there is of creation working right, flourishing, overflowing, abundance, And it says in Revelation 22, and the leaves of that tree will be for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. So creation will stop groaning. The gardener has accomplished his work. But in between the first tree and the last tree stands one more tree. The Bible says cursed is the man who hangs on the tree and on good friday of course a righteous perfect man god himself took on the curse in jesus christ you remember he surrendered himself in the garden and so when he died on that tree it got real dark the earth began to quake the curse began to die with him and when he rose from the grave A new creation began in him. And so the tree of death becomes to us a tree of life, the cross. So Mary Magdalene isn't that far off. She's not mistaken when she sees Jesus and she thinks he's the gardener. I I wonder if you looked around this morning on this beautiful spring day as the blossoms are blooming and the trees are unfolding their leaves and all the glory of this morning... She didn't make mistake Jesus for the gardener by accident. I think on that day, nature itself perked up in all its grandeur and beauty and became even more amazing because he was a gardener and still is. But notice she doesn't know it's Jesus until she hears him speak her name, Mary. Mary. And suddenly for Mary, there's this emotional somersault. Her eyes are open. Her heart bursts with joy, and she embraces him. Imagine her emotions in that moment. She went from no hope that Jesus was alive to, to squealing in delight as she grabs him and she keeps clinging to Jesus so happy to see him and know he was alive to the point that Jesus finally says stop holding on to me Mary I've got a job to do and so do you I want you to go back and tell my disciples what has happened and so verse 18 says Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news I have seen the Lord I want you to think about this with me. You see, Mary's reaction to the empty tomb and to the risen Jesus was an emotional one. For her, feeling was believing. She wanted to hold on to that moment of ecstasy and joy because for her, feeling was believing. You know... Many people today evaluate their faith based on their emotions. You know, maybe someone here this morning, years ago, you had a genuine, really sincere emotional experience when you felt especially close to God. You accepted christ and you were on fire maybe it was at a christian camp maybe it was in a in a, a a youth event but you were you were just on fire on fervor you were it was like nothing else you had ever experienced it was glorious and good but if you were honest this morning over the years the emotion has faded and in fact you're kind of disappointed you don't feel as close to God as you once did. And the reality is you just kind of backed off. You backed off from church. You don't pick up your Bible very often, if at all. You don't pray unless something is really, really wrong. And you wonder, was it all real? Was there anything to it? the truth is I know Christians who spend much of their lives trying to get back to that place and so they go to this concert and that seminar they go from church to church to church just hoping they'll get that emotional spark that emotional fix we can falsely base however what we believe on what we're feeling but you know there's a problem with emotions isn't there Emotions fluctuate. I don't think God ever intended us in the Christian life to, for it to be one continuous high. There are valleys as well. In fact, I, I'm a little suspicious of those folks who are always saying, praise the Lord. Isn't it a wonderful day? I'm so blessed. In fact, if I'm honest, I'm a little annoyed at those kind of people. <laughs> Maybe you are too. Be, because we aren't people who base our faith on our feelings and emotions you know one of the greatest emotional moments of my life was when ohio state beat miami in double overtime in 2001 for the national title I had never seen that happen. I didn't know if they would ever win a title. It had not happened to that point in my lifetime. And so that night in double overtime, when they finally won that game in extraordinary fashion, I let out a whoop. I was excited. I was hugging and celebrating. Yes, yes, yeah! Jumping up and down. I could not have been happier. And, and, and I taped... That game, you remember VACRs and VHS? I happened to tape over my wedding with that game. Yeah. But at least it was a good game. I mean, come on. But you know what happened afterward? I watched the tape several times and have watched that game several times across the years. But here's what I discovered. It's still fun to watch, but I skip over some parts. I'm happy they won, but I don't feel the same way. And that reminds me, you know, emotions can be remembered, but they can't be replicated. And over time, I guess my point is emotions are not meant to be maintained here for decades or even weeks. Jesus said, Mary, we can't stay here. You want to hold on to this. You want to hold on to me, but there are things we are called to do. Your faith has to be more than emotion, more than feeling." Now, John says there was a second group of people that Jesus appears to. A little later in this chapter, there are 10 disciples who are in the upper room who have the doors locked because they are fearful of the Jewish leaders. Now, I would submit to you that their response is seeing is believing. The disciples had heard that Jesus was alive. But they were afraid because they didn't know what it meant or what they were supposed to do. Now, at this point, they had evidence. The the stone, it had been rolled away. There there was no body in the tomb. There were grave clothes in the tomb, nicely folded, as a matter of fact. And I'm thinking, what kind of grave robber is going to take the time to do that? And then there were these eyewitnesses, these women, of all things, Mary Magdalene, who had told them that he was alive. Oh, and by the way, they suddenly remembered, you know, he did say he was going to rise again on the third day. They had all these evidences, and in spite of all that, they locked themselves in a room afraid. Verse 19 says that Jesus shows up, and notice, if you read it, he doesn't bother knocking. In fact, he doesn't even bother opening the door. He just kind of shows up and that'll get your attention. If you were afraid before, what are you feeling right now? But Jesus conquers their fear. Peace be with you, he says. And he shows them his hands and his side. And the disciples were overjoyed, the scripture says, because they saw the That says to me that for them, seeing is believing. You know, I find it interesting to those who doubt that Jesus really rose from the grave, yet they believe that our country, the United States, experienced the Revolutionary War or that we went through the Great Depression or that we grappled with the sin of slavery in spite of the fact that none of us ever saw that but we believe it we didn't see it yet we say seeing is believing or is it I recently saw this picture of the Pope on Twitter and it went viral have you seen this before pretty cool dude wouldn't you say Uh, I saw this went viral it was all over the internet's and, and, and people were commenting on the Pope and his fashion sense. But what's the problem? It's not real. It's a digital fake. And you can't tell the difference. And I can't either. And folks, we're quickly heading into a... a, a season when AI and digital issues are coming up where we have to take everything very carefully to discern what is truth and what is false. We're quickly heading into some dangerous territory. But I want you to think about Jesus. Jesus, his life, his death, and his resurrection is, in fact, the gold standard for historians of ancient times. The evidence is overwhelming. There are 11 different historical sources that point to him within 80 years of his life. Now, you think about that. Alexander the Great, you've heard of him. There isn't a world history class in the world that would not talk about Alexander the Great and his exploits. The first historical account of Alexander the Great is dated 300 years after his life. And yet we don't doubt the significance of Alexander. So let me ask you something. Who is changing lives for the better if it's not Jesus Christ? Yesterday, We had a funeral here for Jim Simonsick. It's a beautiful service. Pastor Tom Slater uh, shared for a few minutes on his life and how he had met with Jim for breakfast and Bible study for years every week. And he was remarking how often Jim would tell him, I am so glad for my wife, Penny, Because without her, I would have never met Jesus, he said. You see, Jim's life was radically and beautifully changed by Christ. By the way, he's not the only one. I suspect that this room is filled with people who could say, Jesus changed my life and made a difference in what he's done for them. And the invitation is still taste and see that the Lord is good. Hebrews 11.1 1 gives a great definition of faith. It says, faith is being sure of what you hope for and certain of what you do not see. Do you believe? Now, there's a third appearance in John 20 that I want to deal with for a couple of moments here, and, and that is the appearance of Jesus to Thomas, if Mary's reaction was feeling is believing and these 10 disciples it was for them seeing is believing Thomas's response was proving is believing For some reason Thomas wasn't there that first Sunday evening he wasn't with the the other group when Jesus appeared to them when others then that week told him Jesus appeared to us he's really alive we've seen him Thomas, you remember, stubbornly answers, well, I'm not going to believe without some proof. He said, unless I put my finger where the nails were and my hands into the hole in his side, I'm not going to believe it. I must have proof. But notice how Jesus deals with Thomas. First, I, I noted, you know, he waits for a week and i think there's a lesson there maybe you have a friend this morning someone that you love who doesn't believe don't press the panic button maybe someone has been waiting for you i told you about jim simozik yesterday and sitting with penny and she told me yesterday pastor i waited for years for him to come to christ He'd take me to church and sit in the car while the service was going on, smoke his pipe and wait for me. And then I taught Sunday school and he helped he had to help me bring the stuff in. And finally, one day he stayed. <laughs> and his life was changed. It's okay if this takes time. So the next week, look at what happens. Verse 26, the disciples are, are meeting again. Same room, but Thomas is with them. The doors are locked, but Jesus shows up anyway, and he remarks, peace be with you. And he says to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands. Put your hand into my side. Stop doubting, Jesus says, and believe Now, I note that Jesus didn't attack Thomas. He didn't chastise him because of his doubt. He just placed undeniable proof right in front of Thomas. And suddenly Thomas humbly confesses and says, My Lord and my God. You know, someone here today says, You know, if somebody could prove to me that God exists, I'd believe if somebody would prove to me that Jesus really did get up out of that grave I would not only believe but I'd be a dedicated follower but I'm not convinced you know I want to be truthful this morning you're never going to have absolute proof but how many times in your life do you base any decision you make on absolute certainty because if you did, you'd never do anything, would you? you never get married, I'll tell you that. You'd never take a job. You don't know if they're gonna pay you or not. You wouldn't get in your car. You don't know what could happen out there. You wouldn't eat what your mother-in-law is gonna serve for lunch. Who knows? you do it by faith faith is being sure of what you hope for and certain of what you do not see and so Jesus says to Thomas because you have seen me you have believed but blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed so what's your reaction going to be You see, our reaction to the news of Jesus' resurrection is, in fact, calling us that trusting is believing. I trust him. Faith is going to the edge of all the light we have and, and taking that next step. Faith is more than feeling because emotions fluctuate, they come and go. Faith doesn't demand seeing a supernatural sign every week to just keep it going. Faith doesn't require absolute proof because it isn't really faith, then. That's just knowledge. Faith examines the evidence and then responds. And I think there is plenty of evidence to believe that Jesus Christ really got out of that grave. And so today, Christ is calling you and saying, you need to decide. Now, there are a couple of reasons you say, well, I don't want to. One of those, I think, is really, let's be honest, your sin maybe you don't believe or at least you don't want to believe because you know if you do believe you're going to have to change some things there are going to be some some changes that occur I, I saw a clipping that had two shipwrecked sailors who had been adrift for days they were desperate on their little dingy, dingy and so one of the guys began to kneel on his uh, on his knees and began to pray oh lord I don't I know I haven't lived a, a good life Lord I've drunk too much booze I've lied and cheated I've done so many things I'm ashamed of but Lord if you'll save me I promise and at that the other sailor interrupts don't say another word I think I just spotted land I thought that would go over better but uh, I hope you get the point we interrupt our decisions and think I don't want to give up my ways, my, my lifestyle, my attitudes. And so foolishly we'd rather not believe. And I'm convinced that our doubt is more about moral than intellectual issues. But the second problem it seems to me is really our egos remember when Ted Turner said Christianity is for losers I don't need anyone to die for me you know he is right Christianity is for people who humbly admit they're lost and they realize in their own sin they can't conquer the grave maybe this morning each of us come to Jesus and like Thomas we say Lord I was wrong Jesus you're alive and I need you my Lord my God and I surrender to him friend we're in the cave but Jesus has made a way out trust him put your hope in him and someone needs to do that today will you pray with me father I thank you that you are still in the business of breaking through the darkness and calling out our name and saying it's time Lord, I pray that this would be a day of decision for many in this room. And Lord, we would not that we would not neglect such a great salvation and an opportunity. And Lord, we we be able to look back on Easter 2023 and say that was the day when I decided to give my life to Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, I invite my friends here to react to the resurrection. And may we each, Lord, apply it to ourselves. And may we, like Thomas, humbly bow before you and say, Lord, you are my Lord and my God. Thank you for loving me so much. May we hear your voice just like Mary did in the garden. May we hear you call out our name this morning. And may our lives never be the same because we put our hope in you. Pray this in your holy name. Amen.